10-3 is brought to you by Callaway. Just like a podcast, my golf game needs a good start, and if you're anything like me, you know how much a good driver can up your game. That's why you need Callaway's new Epic Flash driver with Flash Face technology. It's shattering the idea of how fast a driver can be. It's Callaway's first ever driver face engineered with artificial intelligence. What's that mean? Using machine learning, Callaway's supercomputer, yes, they have one of those, was able to test, refine, tweak, and retest over 15,000 different faces to find the fastest one. That's Flash Face technology. Learn more at callawaygolf.ca. Being able to watch what you want when you want it has helped drive the success of streaming services like Netflix and Crave. But with more services set to come online, Canadian consumers can expect a splintered market of platforms and more subscriptions to get all the content they want. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10.3. We looked at what sparked all this change, who the new players are, how the traditional companies are trying to keep pace, and the looming notion of subscription fatigue. Speaking of subscriptions, have you gotten yours for this show? It's pretty simple, and it's free. Just open up Apple Podcasts or your other favorite listening app and tap that icon. The best stories in Canada from a nationwide team of journalists right to your device. And if you're feeling kind, leave us a rating and a review. Vito Polisi is a business reporter with the Ottawa Citizen. So Vito, in the bad old days, or the good old days, depending on who you ask, your TV watching habits were confined to the basic networks in Canada, plus your American affiliates as you got them, and then whatever packages you bought from your cable companies. When did this all start to change? I think that it was in the mid-1990s when we saw a real change because consumers started pushing back against um, the whole pick and pay idea of TV or the bundling, I should say, of TV. It was pick and pay that ended up, uh, I guess, pulling all the bundles apart. But these the the TV uh, providers were bundling all these channels, and it became really hard for consumers to know <laughs> what am I paying for, uh, what's included in my bundle, why does my bill keep going up every month? It 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 was almost completely overwhelming for people, and and people really uh, rebelled against it to the point where they pushed it up to the CRTC and said, "Enough's enough. Unbundle all these channels. Give me the option to pick exactly what I want, and only pay for what I'm getting on a, on a monthly basis." But even though it went to the CRTC, the end result still didn't really satisfy a lot of consumers, right? It wasn't horribly satisfying. No, it was better than it was, but it wasn't horribly satisfying. What really sort of, I guess, uh, when the horse went out the gate was when we got real options and those options came in the form of over-the-top services like Netflix. And Netflix was sort of like a panacea for people, right? When it first came into Canada, it was almost like going through the aisles of Blockbuster, <laughs> where 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 there were there were a few new releases, but there was all of these fantastic old movies and TV shows that were available to be watched, and people sort of gravitated to it because they were saying, "Hey, for eight bucks a month or nine bucks a month, I may not be getting everything that I want, but it's at a price point that I'm comfortable with, and the selection is there. So they started to scale back on the specialty channels that they were watching and subscribe to this new service, watching stuff online, which gave Netflix the ability to buy more recent content and to enter into contracts to get more TV shows and more movies. 
And um, for a little while, it was it was the golden period for for those types of services. People were getting what they wanted at a price point that they were willing to pay, and there always seemed to be something to watch. Yeah, because up until that point, for those who wanted the convenience of watching what you wanted when you wanted to watch it, it was reserved for people who wanted to go through the process of either streaming, th downloading things through torrent sites and doing so illegally, or trying to find places where you could watch uh, live streams or streams of shows as opposed to downloading shows. How did traditional cable companies respond to this? It's interesting because the cable companies at the beginning weren't sure how to respond to it. We know that one of them started up their own streaming service here in Canada in the form of Crave, uh, which has kind of brought us into the issue that we're facing now, but we'll get into that later. Having said that, at least at the beginning, they weren't sure what to think. And there was there were a lot of battles between the traditional cable providers and the traditional broadcasters and whether or not uh, Netflix should be viewed as a rival competitor and subjected to the same sorts of Canadian content regulations as well as taxes that they're paying here in Canada. And that's an issue that we haven't really had resolved either, right? So while the consumers have been sitting and basking in the sun of these new services and what they can bring to sort of, I guess, their living room, their entertainment value. There's all of these issues that are popping up and bubbling under the surface and, and they're coming to a head. And now that the companies that have been supplying Netflix with the TV shows and movies that it's been selling to us, now that they've realized that the opportunity to make more money, um, they're starting to fragment this industry in ways that we've never seen before. And you're seeing that with networks as well. Obviously, in Canada, some of the networks are owned by cable companies. You have Global, which is owned by a company that also is sells cable services. And same with City TV is owned by Rogers, is it not? Um, but you can get some of their content through their own websites for a period for free if you don't have a subscription. But if you have a cable subscription through them, you can also watch network programming how does this landscape look all to be switching over the next little bit? For the providers themselves, they're trying to offer their content online. And you see these deals that they have where uh, TV shows in particular are available for a week or two weeks after they air on the website. And you can go to the website and access that content there. But if you want to look at back issues, if you're back issues, back episodes, sorry, of those TV shows, you're not going to get them without paying a fee. And there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is that the licensing for that show lies with somebody else. Mm -hmm. So in order to offer that show for a, a longer period, that broadcaster has to pay a fee to license the show and provide it to their viewership. Uh, it's, it's the same sort of idea that we're getting online with all of these services that are now popping up and we're seeing Disney come up with its own service. We're seeing Universal have its own service. There's the DC specific service for DC comic stuff. There's Hulu is going to, is coming to Canada in a big way. There is, uh, I mean, there's all of these, all of these providers who are direct from the content producers who mm -hmm. were the ones licensing to the city TVs and the CTVs and the CBCs and are now saying, hey, we realize that people are willing to pay for this stuff. So we're going to offer it to them online in perpetuity as long as they're paying our subscription fees, which changes the dynamic of the way that those broadcasters can off offer those programs to Canadians online. It's incredibly complex. The water is becoming so muddied that 
In order to watch what you want to see online pretty soon, you're going to have to have two, three, maybe even four subscriptions to uh, hmm. streaming services. And the stats that are coming out of the States where they've already hit a wall on this because they're far more competitive down there. They've launched a number of these services south of the border. They're not available here in Canada yet. Says that the average household has between three and four streaming service subscriptions. And that's on top of your cable, your cable bill. And to get back to some of what we were talking about earlier, this isn't unlike what happened with um, uh, the music industry when everybody was kind of going online in those early days and pirating music. Mm -hmm. You were finding it kind of picking it up all over the place until iTunes came along and Apple was offering this solution for 99 cents a song. And people sort of said, hey, I can afford that. I can afford 99 cents a song. Why would I go through the, I guess, the hassle of looking this stuff up, finding dead links, having to go all over the place, wait in these download queues, give out my IP address to people who could possibly use it to harm me or pick up malware by, by downloading songs from God knows where when I could just pay the 99 cents get something that I know, and I can keep that for an extended period of time. What Netflix did was they opened the door to that idea, right? And now, now that the content producers are realizing that there's money to be made, they're sort of closing it a little bit. I don't want to say it's being closed the entire way. They're closing it a little bit. I, I mean, the one difference with music is now that you've moved to streaming with music, you're, you're getting these streaming companies set up but we haven't seen the labels or the artists so much step in and say, come to us and pay us a service, a service fee, and we'll give you our music from our label. Uh, we're still seeing this kind of third party get involved, whether it's Spotify or Apple Music, or I know that I believe it was Jay-Z's service title um, that kind of stepped in and, and said, we'll give you streaming of a million songs, right? I'm sure that the artists would, would love to be able to do that. I'm sure that they'd love to be in a position where they could uh, request that sort of thing from their, uh, from their fans. Or I, I'm sure that they would love the idea of having their label push out a service like that for their, for their fans. Because if you, if you look at the reaction that we've had from the artists directly, and we're kind of taking a tangent here, but if, if we look at the reaction from the artists, they will tell you that they're not making any money off of those streaming services, even though their music is being listened to hundreds of thousands of times in a week. So what, what it, at least from the TV perspective, with the studios, with the studios like the Disney's and the Universal's and, and Fox, right, which has now been taken over by Disney, what they're saying is we can service our consumers directly with the TV shows and the movies that they want to see. Why would we allow somebody like Netflix to step in between? And this yeah. is creating big problems for consumers, right? Because the consumers are turning around and saying, I just got used to streaming all this stuff on my Xbox or my, my Apple TV or directly through my television set or my tablet or whatever it may be. And they're standing around going, what do I do now? Because it's, it is confusing, especially for someone who isn't technologically savvy, which is why we're seeing some of the cable providers in Canada kind of saying, we have the pipes. We have the pipes into the homes. This is Rogers. This is Bell. What we need to do is we made it. We need to make it as easy as possible for people to get these services, and in with Rogers in particular, they're adding all of these services onto their set-top boxes. They're making it available through, I guess, the applications that they're using. Uh, Bell in, in particular is doing that. 
so that when you open your set top box or when you open your, your bell five app, it brings up all the subscriptions that you currently have access to and it keeps you logged into them so that you can just flip through. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to have three, four, five, eight subscriptions to eight different streaming services. That's what's coming down the pike next, especially mm-hmm. if, especially if you're a sports fan. Is that how the cable companies and potentially the networks stay a part of this game is by uh, offering all of these different apps and subscription services through their box as opposed to having people cut their cable and then have to go and download a bunch of apps and pay through five different services. They can add all these services like they would cable tiers in the past. Is that their way to stay involved? The cable companies, and I'm not going to get into a debate, but the cable companies have about 11 million subscribers in Canada today. Uh, Netflix, by all accounts, have almost 7 million. It's 6.78 million. That's about half of all households in Canada. If you can think about how long the cable companies have been around, you think about how long Netflix proper has been around, that's amazing growth, right? So now to address your question, I think that they realize how quickly that growth has happened. I think that they realize that paying a, a cable subscription fee for programming that is not on demand I guess live programming in package format. So I'm getting basic and three, you know, specialty channels isn't something that is going to maintain this momentum heading into the future. It's, it's a, it's a niche market that's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. But what they do control are these pipes, right? Mm-hmm. And there are newcomers in the market too that are trying to dig up and put in fiber optic from coast to coast and they're trying to get involved in the game. But the big players, the Shaws, the Bells, the Rogers, they've, they've been there longer and they have the infrastructure. So they know that they have these pipes, they have the highways that are leading into people's homes. In order for people to watch this stuff, it needs to move through those pipes. It needs to move along those highways. This is their way of maintaining, uh, not their way, but this is their business model. This is, this is what looks bright to them in the future. They need to capitalize on this right now. And if it means making it easier for consumers to use those pipes and possibly get a faster internet connection, bump up the amount of data that's coming into your house on a monthly basis. They, these are all positive things from a business standpoint for those companies. Right. So they could say, if you want to be able to stream your 4K movies, uh, they're super high def movies on your internet, you'll have a better chance of getting uh, better quality if you subscribe to all of these things through us as opposed to subscribing to them all separately. Correct. That's right. And you have to realize that once you start to get into things like 4K, the um, amount of data that's actually transmitted is unbelievable. People complain Mm -hmm. right now about blowing over their data caps. You just wait until you start doing everything in true HD or 4K. Unlimited is the only way to go if you want to go down that road. And those fees are where they are. So these are all upgrades for the cable companies because these people are going to need 30 megs coming into their house. They're going to need unlimited data, like no data caps, unlimited data. And people who weren't necessarily there before are going to be there quickly. When you take a look at the stats about the amount of data that's being consumed, they are already saying that as much as 50% of primetime data moving through the internet in Canada is simply as a result of YouTube and Netflix. Now, Hmm. Now, by 2021, 2022, they're saying that could be as high as 80%. 
So really, your internet connection coming into your house, that's your new cable line. That's true. Now, you, you talk about sports. Usually when I think of streaming, because I don't stream a lot of sports, I think about TV and movies and occasionally music. I'm still kind of old school when it comes to music. But how does sports play in here? Because right now, to watch a lot of stuff, you either have a cable package or you can subscribe to one or two services in Canada, correct? Or are, how many are there currently? Well, there's upstarts. Uh, and I think DAZN or Dazen is one of the upstarts that we'll get to in a minute. But I mean, just to, to take a step back, it used to be the case that you could go on CBC on Saturday afternoon and watch the Jays play. And that's not the case anymore. If you want to watch the Jays, you have to subscribe to Sportsnet. So they've already become a specialty channel, a specialty channel team. Any, any fan from coast to coast that wants to watch them needs to subscribe to Sportsnet or there's no other way to watch that team. If you go with uh, with the CFL, the CFL is now exclusively on TSN, I believe. Yeah. Um, that's right. So you have to subscribe to TSN if you want to watch anything that's going on in the CFL. Now, hockey in this country is one that because of how it's woven into our cultural fabric, we haven't lost it entirely. You can still watch the Leafs, whether you're a Toronto fan or not, on the national feed on Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada. And then on the late feed, especially for you guys because you're out on the West Coast or out in the West, you guys, they, they still play a game for you. But if you're a Sens mm -hmm. fan, if you're a Sens fan in Ottawa, you're not going to be able to watch the Sens on Saturday night because that game is going to be taken over by the Leaf game, which means you have to tune in to TSN or sports. And it's TSN that carries the Sens, and which means you need to have a subscription in order to watch the Sens. And then you start to get into things like blackout zones, for example, yeah. right? Like if I'm a Leafs fan living in Calgary, forget it because, because those games are going to be blacked out even if they were on. Uh, those on those specialty channels, even though I'm paying a subscription to see them. So I, I, I know living here in Ottawa, being a Leafs fan is, is particularly frustrating. So if I want to watch that team, then I need to subscribe to something like NHL Live, which in Canada is being licensed by Rogers, which is, I think it's $140 for the season. And that'll allow me to watch out-of-market games, but not in-market games. So if mm -hmm. I want to watch the Senators, I still need to subscribe to TSN. Do you see how muddied and ridiculous it's all becoming? <laughs> right? And, yeah, and that's true. I'm pointing it all out because of how, of how silly it all sounds. Even if you're paying for a service that's bringing all those channels into your house, they're still cutting it up and dividing it based on these really weird broadcasting agreements that have taken place and telling you what you can and what you can't watch. So as, as a sports fan living in Canada, this is only going to get worse and worse. You're going to need a subscription to MLB if you if you really want to watch a lot of baseball. You're going to need a subscription to the NBA package if you really want to watch teams outside of the Raptors. You're going to need ESPN is coming to Canada, and they're not going to give up all their stuff that's on broadcast on on TV right now. So if you want to watch a lot of it, you're going to have to subscribe to that ESPN offer. Mm -hmm. It's it's increasingly becoming, and, and this is where we get into issues that are already being referred to as subscription fatigue because the average consumer is standing around going, what the heck am I going to subscribe to? And even if I do subscribe to it, am I going to get everything that I wanted? So you have three, four, five, six subscriptions 
and you're still looking for that one more that's going to give you that one more set of live games or that one more uh, TV show that you've been following for the last five years. But because it was dropped by NBC and picked up by Universal in its sixth season, you got to subscribe to Universal in order to see the sixth season of it. It's a brave new world, Vito. Thanks very much for your time, Hey, Thank you for having me. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Technical support this episode from Nicole Ferianchik. Thanks to my guest, Vito Polisi. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>